Hey, hasn't God done good things over the last nine years though? Yeah, some of you convinced. Yeah. Yeah, today I want to talk to you about saving souls, winning the lost and being a witness. And the reason is because if we want to see more moving into the next decade, then we got to do more than we did in the last decade. Amen. And so next year in September, we're going to celebrate, um, we're going to celebrate our 10th anniversary and we're going to make a whole big deal out of it. It will be a massive celebration. It will be amazing. Absolutely unreal. We've never really made big deals of birthdays, but we will next year. It's going to be amazing. But, um, but I want to, on that day, look at the preceding 12 months, looking back toward today. And I want to be able to say that we saw more souls saved in that 10th year than we did in any year ever before. Amen. And I want to build on that and build on that and build on that and build on that. Amen. So y'all ready for a sermon on being a a witness on saving souls on winning the lost. Anyone want to hear that word today? Awesome. We're going to uh, Acts 8, 26 to 40. You ready for it? All right, Cole, you're with me. By the way, if you're new, welcome to church. My name's Jesse. Glad you're here. Peace. This is going to be fun. Are you ready for this? Acts 8, 26 to 40, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked him, do you understand what it is that you're reading? And he said to him, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep was led to the slaughter, And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Verse 34, And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, may I ask you, is the prophet saying this? Is he talking about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth. Hear that? Philip opened his mouth. Half the problem we have with witnessing is we don't open our mouths. Come on. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus Christ. Not long after this, they were continuing to go and ride along in their chariot and they approach a body of water. And the eunuch, obviously having heard about baptism, looks at Philip and says, there's some water. Why should I not be baptized right now? And Philip says, let's go. And they get down and they baptize him in the water. Didn't do a class. That's going to really offend the people from the real liturgical churches. But they didn't do a class. They didn't go through any traditions. He just got saved, saw water, got baptized. It's a great story. So I want to pray for you. So if you want to be a part of the soul winning, if you want to be a part of what God's doing over the next uh, next 10 years, and if you want to just raise your hands and thank God for the last nine years, lift your hands in faith with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an incredible last nine years. You've been so good to us. And I thank you for a church of faith, a church of truth and a church of love and a church that obeys when you speak, Lord. We know that our hard work is not enough on its own to do what has been done. 
We know that you have been faithful, that you have poured out your favour on us as we've remained ambitious in our faith, as we've worked hard and been obedient to you. You have poured out your favour and you have built your church. We humbly ask that you would continue to speak to us, to guide us, to pour your favour out upon us and fill us with the courage that we need to be your witnesses in this great state of Iowa and beyond. And God, I'm asking for your help to preach your word today. This third service this weekend, To these wonderful people, Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged and inspired and challenged by your word today, that all of us, not just them, but I too, that we would not only hear your word, but we would live your word tomorrow as well. In the name of Jesus, someone say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Turn to your friend, turn to your neighbour and say, happy birthday and take your seats. You know, when one of the things that bothers me about America, and um, I love America, it's the greatest nation on earth. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so thankful to God every day that I get to live here. But the most annoying thing about you all is when you sing happy birthday, it sounds like it's a funeral. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. We're going to miss you. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, we all got the same words to that song, but I don't know who wrote your chords, but they're wrong. In Australia, it's like, happy birthday to you. Like, I know Australia's communist and everything right now, but at least they sing happy birthday better, you know? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Ian, happy birthday to you. At least it sounds exciting, but anyway. Should I get on with the sermon? Yeah, yeah, easily distracted. I know, I know, I know, I know, I'm sorry. I want to talk about the story of Philip and the eunuch today because it's one of my personal favorites, all right? Um, It's one of my favorite stories in baptisms. It's one of my favorite stories in evangelism. It's just a fantastic story. I want to share it with you. Um, You know, know Philip, uh, at the time when this was written, he was actually preaching the gospel in a place called Samaria. You've heard of the good Samaritan who didn't cross, sorry, who, who, who went over to help the man who was beaten and bloodied on the side of the road. He was from Samaria. He's a guy that Jews didn't like and wouldn't associate with and thought didn't deserve the gospel. That's where he was from. And Philip was actually at Samaria preaching to those people and and he was casting out demons and he was praying for the sick and he was praying that, that people would be healed and they were healed and he was winning the lost and he was taking the ground for the kingdom and and, and he was an amazing evangelist, an incredible communicator and a great man of faith. And he was having such a great revival in Samaria that what God was doing there got the attention of the other apostles, Peter and those guys, the, you know, the famous apostles, the one you all know were apostles, the ones you knew were Jesus' disciples, right? See, most of you probably didn't even know that Philip was one of his disciples because he was like sort of over on the edge doing his thing and just being faithful over there. But everybody knows about Peter. And so he's over in in Samaria preaching the gospel. And Peter and the famous boys are hearing about what Philip is doing in Samaria. Like that's like every preacher's goal, right? You're preaching the gospel, winning the lost, and Brian Houston finds out what you're doing, right? Brian's like, mate, we got to go to Samaria. Check out what this bloke Philip is doing over there. I've been hearing good things about the Samaritan church, right? They come, they have a look at it, and it's awesome. 
They're blown away by what God's doing. In fact, Brian's like, we should probably put a Hillsong church here in Samaria. And by the way, they do have one over there right now. And it's amazing though, what God was doing in Samaria. And in the middle of this great revival, in the middle of this revival that had actually got the attention of all the famous preachers, the Holy Spirit says to Philip, righto, you're done here, go south. Just right there in the middle of it. Now, what I love about Philip is that in the middle of great success, he says yes. What I love about it is God tells him, go 65 miles down south, 65 miles into the desert and doesn't tell him anything else at all. Just pack your bags, go south, 65 miles. Now, some of y'all wouldn't do that right now, but we've got cars with air conditioning and it doesn't sound like a big deal. But they say, go down south, 65 miles, tells him nothing else. He didn't say to Philip, God didn't say to Philip, you're going to meet a pretty weird dude in a chariot and the guy's going to get saved and 400 years later, he'll be the reason that Christianity is the official religion of Ethiopia. Didn't say that. He said nothing. He said, head to Gaza, go to the desert. And doesn't that make you feel like we could be a little bit more faithful sometimes? Yeah, come on, right? Like, like maybe getting asked to serve once every three weeks from, you know, like maybe from 10 a.m. To, to 1 p.m. on a Sunday is maybe not such a big deal, right? Like maybe I feel like half the modern Christians, if God said to them, go 65 miles south right now, I think half our modern Christians these days would be like, well, look, I'm not saying no, but I'm gonna need a little more information, right? Like what are the hotels like down there? Because, you you know, like I'm not saying it has to be five stars, but I'm not doing less than four, right? I'm not much of a camper. I, I, I don't like doing the outdoors thing. This is not 65 AD anymore. Holy Ghost, come on. What do you want me to do there anyway? Give me, give me the information. I'm not much of a cleaner. I'm not really good at carrying things. I'm not a real good laborer. I can preach. I don't like to preach to individuals. Maybe if you give me a crowd, a microphone, a really generous love offerings, then I could talk to my spouse and maybe I could go down there. I just feel like that's how most, not most, maybe a lot of modern Christians kind of respond when the Holy Spirit says, yo, go 65 miles south into the desert. Oh, and by the way, God, have they been vaccinated? Because you know, if they ain't been vaxxed, I ain't gonna go lay hands on no unvaccinated Philistines. Right? Right? Come on. Come on. No, 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 Philip's just like, let's go, Holy Ghost, let's go. You said go south, I'm going south. You want me down there? Let's go down there, amen. Can I tell you when the Holy Spirit spoke to Lauren and I about moving to the United States? We didn't ask Him to promise us that we'd be paid well. We didn't ask Him to promise us that we'd have huge success. We didn't ask Him to promise us that we wouldn't have to sacrificially give just hundreds or thousands of dollars. We didn't ask that, 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 that we wouldn't have to do that. We didn't ask Him to put us in a time machine and show us a church of thousands before we say yes. No, we're like, yes, Lord, we'll go. You got 30, 40, 50 people, we'll go. Yes, Lord. And then after we said yes, we started to dream. 
And after we said yes, we started to pray and ask God to do miracles. And after we said yes, and after we burnt our bridges and told our friends and our families and our pastors that we're leaving to go to the United States, after that, God started to show us the vision of what was gonna happen here. It was after we said yes. Yes, God, we're willing to leave our, our friends and our family and we're willing to leave our fields to go and preach your gospel to this strange people called Iowans. We moved our family here nine years ago to pastor just a few families without any guarantee that they'd have enough money to pay us. I love it because after a while, it looked like we would have enough money, right, um, to, 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 to pay us. And I'm like, that's great. And we're like, all right, well, let's just move into a building that we can't afford. Let's do that. That we can't afford. The, 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 the rent payment on this building, because we, we rented this for a few years first, and this guy was on the board, and he'll tell you, the rent payments for this building was about what we were bringing in a month. So it's like, so we're like, oh yeah, we can say, all right, God, make sure we can get paid, or we can say, all right, God, yes to the vision. You hear what I'm saying? Man, we all want God to qualify and quantify everything before we say yes these days. Come on, anyone want to be used by God? Give me a wave, right? We all want to be used by God, right? But too many of us want to be used in the air-conditioned office, in the air-conditioned city to, to reach the, the perfect people at the perfect time that fits your perfectly crafted schedule. I don't know about you, but God hardly ever works that way for me. Oh, He's almost never on my schedule. Almost never. You ask Jenna, she's mine and Lauren's assistant. And uh, you know, some days there's like 12 or 14 appointments in there and the Holy Ghost will always come halfway and be like, yeah, we're done with that. And just mess it up. God hates my calendar. I'm convinced of it. I'm absolutely convinced of it. I'm still gonna have one because poor preparation is a bad excuse for poor performance, right? We wanna prepare, we wanna provide, you know, we wanna do all that. But I'm telling you right now, if you're waiting for the moment that, that you're sitting down at the perfect spot and you've got this 35-minute little window and you're like, God, if you want me to witness to someone, bring them into this 35-minute little window, it ain't gonna happen. It's not how it works. You're probably gonna be on your way somewhere else. You might be in the middle of a great revival in Samaria and he says, yeah, go south, you're done with that. It, it's not always gonna fit your perfect little calendar. Can I get an amen? My first point, actually, before I even tell it to you, Here's the thing about my, my points this week. They're not like bougie, all right? I didn't get to bouge my points up this week, all right? Um, they're, uh, they're, they're just a sentence that I was like, that's as good as I can say it, okay? And so I didn't get to like finesse it and wordsmith it. It's just, this is my point. Is that all right? Cool. Can you, uh, can, can you cope with a non-bougie sentence structure? Yeah, all right, good. My first point is sometimes God sends you 65 miles south into the desert with no plan. Told you one bougie. Wasn't even catchy. That's right. Sometimes God's going to send you 65 miles into the desert without a plan. And when you get there, you discover all that was just to reach one guy. Just one guy. You're up there preaching to thousands down here. You've got one guy. That's it. You know, I think the question of whether or not you're really willing to be used by God comes down to what are you willing to do for one guy? You know, what are you willing to do to see one guy meet Jesus? What are you willing to do for the Lord when you have no idea what its outcome is going to be? When he just says, go south, you don't know why, you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know where you're going to land. God just says, go south, and you're like, righto, let's go. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. What are you willing to do when you don't know? 
Can I tell you, moving across the world, moving from America, I'm sorry, moving from Australia to America or America to somewhere else is one thing. But moving across the world is useless if you're not willing to walk down the road and knock on someone's door and tell them Jesus loves them like Pastor Rob talked about last week. That's useless. Moving across the world is useless if we're not willing to drive a few miles down the road in an air-conditioned car these days just to see what God might do when we get there. God orchestrated a lot to witness to this one dude. He pulled a guy out of a massive revival to start a fire in one guy's life. He pulled one of his best out of Samaria so he could love on one guy from Ethiopia in a place called Gaza. You know that just because God puts you in front of one doesn't mean he's mad at you? You know, if you don't have the opportunity to minister to thousands, doesn't mean that, that God doesn't trust you or that he doesn't love you. Just because he might have pulled you away from the crowds. and sat you. Last year, God pulled me away from the crowds. He pulled us all away from the crowds, right? Used to preaching to over a thousand people every week and all of a sudden it was like three people in a room with a camera when we, when we were, you know, when we were tricked into shutting down for five weeks, you know? We opened up real quick. We never shut down again, but we did shut down for a few weeks. And, and then, you know how hard that was when you're used to preaching to thousands of people and then all of a sudden, boom, it's a camera and that's it. Listen, just because that happens doesn't mean God's angry at you. Maybe he's got something else he wants you to do for a moment, amen? See, maybe, maybe, maybe you've got to minister to one guy because you've got a country to save. See, not every, not every no is God saying, no, you suck. Sometimes he's just saying, no, not that, do this. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not that he's, uh, you know, but um, what was I going to say? Um, I don't know. Maybe, uh, see, sometimes God will send his best evangelist into the middle of the desert to minister to one guy. Maybe that's what he's going to do to you. See, some people would just get into the middle of the desert and just get all angry and get all mad. Why am I in a desert? This sucks. Some people would become self-centered, self-focused, and all they want to do in the desert is just survive. All I want to do is be able to live. That's it. They just get self-centered and self-focused. Some people want to, some people want to, just, want to just sort of get angry and bitter and twisted and, just, and abusive and, and, and mean-spirited to everyone that they meet in the desert. But God's best are able to survive in the desert and witness to a eunuch while they're there. See, that's sometimes God will take his best from maybe from the revival and put them in front of one person because he might need his best at that moment. You hear what I'm saying? What do you do when you're in a desert? I don't know if many of you know the story of our friend Shatira. She's a great woman of God. She got saved in this church a couple of years ago and she recently found herself in a desert and she, um, she found out that her precious four-and-a-half-year-old son Bentley had a brain tumor and it was cancerous. They eventually found out that the little darling was terminal. Shatira's faith only grew and grew and grew and grew through that whole journey. Blew us away. Blew our minds. See, we know that God is not the author of sickness and God doesn't put sickness in our lives. And we know that God can heal anyone and often all. We always see God healing people. And getting to see Shatira's faith grow stronger, even as it began to seem that perhaps Bentley wouldn't make it and maybe his story would be one of those that Isaiah the prophet talked about when Isaiah said, the righteous perish and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil that was coming. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest even as they lie in death. 
And we know when we read that, that when God, that if God doesn't heal a righteous person, it's not because he's ignoring us, it's because he's protecting them from an evil to come. That's what his word says. So they're spared that walk through a greater pain and suffering in their lives. And as that became reality in Shatira's life, we got to see her faith grow stronger as she understood that. And as she said, if, if, if it was best for Bentley to still be here, he would be healed. If that's what's best for him, that's what God would do. As this realisation became reality, every staff member that went to pray with Shatira and Bentley, the staff members, our pastors at our church, every time they walked away saying, I went there to minister to her, but I left having been ministered to. I went to her house to pray for her and to minister to her, but I left having been ministered to by her great faith in God, her unwavering trust in the Lord and her love for God's presence and Bentley's love for God's presence too. You know what else I love though? In the middle of this journey, this horrifying journey, when her own son was having surgery to remove a tumour that they'd found out was cancerous, in the middle of that surgery while she's in the waiting room. There was another family in that waiting room whose own child was very sick and they were in a rough place and struggling with the news and they'd gotten a very bad report. And so Shatira, this woman of faith, this hero of the faith, stopped in the middle of her desert and shared the gospel with them by offering to pray with them and their little one right there when her own son is having surgery. Come on, church. That's ministering to somebody in the middle of your desert. That's ministering to someone when you're dry, when you're broken, when you feel beat up. See, God can trust His best with those moments. That even in the desert, you're going to minister to a eunuch. That even in the desert, you're going to minister to a family that have just been given a bad report at Iowa City. Come on. If Shatira can do that, I can walk down the road and knock on a door. Hello. If she can do that, I can pray with a man or a woman on an aeroplane that God would give them peace and heal their child. Come on. If she can do that, then we can tell our our neighbour that Jesus loves them, then we can go to the cubicle next door at work and say, hey, I heard about your marriage situation. Can I tell you about a God who heals and restores? If she can do that, then you can do it too. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's praise God for a testimony of a woman of faith in the church. If she can do that, we can turn left without knowing where the, where the road goes just anticipating God's going to do something down this road. I don't know what God's going to do, but He told me to turn left or He told me to turn right or He told me to go down there. And I know that God's going to do something, so I'm here for it. Amen. Listen, if you're in a desert place, stop assuming that it's just a broken place. If you've got the Holy Spirit, you can bring life, you can bring joy, you can bring hope, you can bring healing, you can bring salvation to the driest place of someone's life. Come on, you can do that. Stop assuming that God's got nothing for you to do there. Hey, maybe before you leave the desert, there's a job you need to do first. Like Pastor Rob said last week, right? Like God's given us something to do and he's told us and he was clear and we haven't done it and we're wondering why God is silent and God's like, I ain't silent. I just already told you what to do. Right? Some of y'all need to say yes, Lord, in the middle of the desert 
before you're going to walk out of it. Can I get an amen? Y'all ready for my second non-bougie, non-eloquent, not wordsmith point? Yeah, y'all still with me? The second point is we don't get to decide who deserves to hear the gospel. We don't get to decide. God sent Philip to a pretty odd dude in a chariot in the desert. You know who was one of the weirdest people of the day? Eunuchs. Let's rewind a couple of thousand years. Eunuchs were some of the weirdest people of the day. I hear somebody saying, what's a eunuch, pastor? <laughs> Let me tell you. We've got some pictures. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> in order to protect the king's harem, right? That would be his billion girlfriends, you know, um, in ancient royal courts. Uh, what they would do is um, they would... They would um, they would emasculate any men who served the king, right? Um, and in, in, in Queen, uh, sorry, anyway, they would do that. Uh, over time, eunuch became synonymous with a high government official or the treasury uh, or the secretary or the finance minister in this case. And they became known as eunuchs because even if they hadn't been physically emasculated, they were considered to be emotionally and, and in terms of their lives emasculated because they didn't get to behave as men. They were just, you, you're, just, you're, just a, you're a robot, you just do what you're told, do you know what I mean? And back then that was considered, not now, don't get angry at me women, but that was considered what a woman would be like. You, you're the ones who do what you're told and we're the ones who do the telling, right? It was wrong. I, I got your back, all right? I got your back. Just got to make that clear, right? Before someone like just cuts that little part out and puts it on Instagram. I'm like, oh, good Lord, you know? So that's what they would do to these men, right? <clears throat> now, in this person's case, uh, this eunuch, he was, um, he was actually serving the queen. So he would for sure have been politically emasculated and physically emasculated okay and so so this guy would have had uh, would have been physically pretty weak uh, but also by reputation he would have been considered a pretty weak and a pretty weird dude uh, one of the weirdest dudes of the day right and God valued him enough to pull his one of his best warriors out of a revival and bring him to the desert to share the gospel with one guy one guy come on just one guy God valued him enough and cared about this emasculated man so much that he would send his star evangelist to share the good news with him. And not only, not only did God want to love on this eunuch and share the good word with this eunuch, not only did he want to welcome him into God's family, but God saw fit to use that man to be the spark that would light the fire that caused Ethiopia 400 years later to call their entire country a Christ following nation and every road of that revival points back to the eunuch the weird guy on the side of the road reading the gospel getting getting ministered to because a star was willing to walk away from the crowds and go into the desert and say Jesus loves you don't for a second think that everybody's got to look the part before God can use them Come on, we're so busy trying to decide whether or not an alcoholic deserves to be used by God or not. We're in God's way when we start acting like that. Can I tell you, I don't know if this man's stuff grew back after he was saved. I'd place a bet that it didn't, but God can do anything. But God did use him. God used him. A pretty weird guy. I don't know if you've heard of Cy Rogers. Has anyone heard of Cy Rogers in this place? Give me a wave. Just Lauren and I, that's it. Um, Cy Rogers was a young man and 
After a while, he's like, I think I'm a woman. And so he started living like a woman. He started taking the pills to sort of change his body. And <clears throat> he started making changes in his life, the way he talked, the way he walked, and the things he would ga- engage in. And, and so he started doing that. And he started making changes and having minor surgeries. And one day he was booked in for a major sex change surgery at John Hopkins University so that he could fully become a, a, a woman in the world's eyes. And, and, but then what happened was uh, uh, John Hopkins determined that what we're doing is wrong and it's c- causing real harm to people and we've got to shut down this department. And so they shut down the department maybe just within days of the surgery that he was scheduled to have. This stunned sight, it broke sight. He's like, this is what I desire to do. This is the direction I'm going. This is what I've planned to do with my life and they've taken it away from me. And at that moment, he turned to the Lord, desperate for God, desperate for meaning, desperate for direction in his life. And he gave his life to God and God set him free. Can I tell you that when he got set free, he didn't immediately have everything done reversed. I don't know, it takes time for that stuff to be fixed. But he did change his pursuits and his desires. God did a miracle in his life and he married a woman. They had a family. He he did end up preaching the gospel all around the world and hundreds and thousands of people gave their lives to Christ because of Cy Rogers. In fact, if not for Cy Rogers, I would have been very, very homophobic like so many other people in the area that I grew up in was. But I was at Bible college and I was at church at Paradise Community Church in Adelaide, South Australia. I believe it was 2001, the church that Ashley Evans, one of our elders, pastors, and Cy Rogers preached and God convicted me and said, why do you hate people I love? I was one of those guys. I grew up on the farm. I grew up in that area. I was like, these guys are, and God convicted me because of that man's testimony. Can I tell you right now, that man was a soul winner. He was a massive witness, especially in the LGBT community. We got to stop trying to choose who deserves God's grace and who doesn't. It ain't up to you. It ain't up to you. If there is a scale of who does and does not deserve God's grace, none of us are on it. Come on. We need to freely overflow with the grace of God everywhere we go and in every corner of the earth, the whole world needs Jesus. We can't fix people before they meet Jesus. They need to meet Jesus so that he can do the fixing, amen. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't preach the truth. We absolutely should. I'm not saying we shouldn't hate sin. We do have to hate sin. But the truth has got to start and end with the love of Jesus. The fact that we, like we always say this, right? You're welcome as you are now right? People are welcome as they are. Now, we can't ignore the brokenness. A key part of welcome as you are is understanding where you are, right? You know, we do need people to know that God loves you too much to leave you where you are. You're welcome as you are, but he ain't going to leave you there. Come on. He's got a journey for you to go on. He's going to deliver you. He's going to set you free. He's going to do miracles in your life like he did with Cy Rogers and make you an effective, wonderful part of the kingdom of God. Amen. He loves you too much to leave you as you are. But can I tell you right now, not every conversation with a gay person needs to be about how homosexuality is a sin. Not every conversation with a hooker needs to be about how hooking is a sin. In fact, my old lead pastor used to say, if you don't have hookers in church, you ain't doing church right. 
And I'm like, come on. He also said, if your wallet's safe on the front row, it's a crap church. (laughs) Did he say that, Lauren? Seriously, right? Can I tell you, if you're like, oh, my wallet's fine. And can I tell you, I do not want a church where it's okay to leave your handbag on in the seat and go for a walk. I'd ra- I hope if you do that, someone steals from you. <laughs> I know y'all think I'm joking. I'm not even. Because that means we got broken, lost people in here finding, finding wholeness and finding healing in Jesus' name. I pray they only do it once, get convicted and like, holy ghost, yes, I will give it back, right? But I don't want the sort of church where no broken people are at. Come on, right? Come on, listen, not every conversation you have with a gossip needs to be about how gossiping is a sin. Not every conversation with a glutton needs to be about how gluttony is a sin. You can just tell people, you know, there'll be time for conversations about certain things. But you know what? You can have a conversation with someone and just start with Jesus loves you and end with I do too. You know, you can do that. You can just say, Jesus loves you. He sees you. He, he cares for you. He, I know you're broken. He loves you. He's going to do a miracle in your life, but He sent me to come and pray for you that you would experience the unending kindness and generosity of God. Can I pray for you? You can do that. Philip rolled over to the eunuch and said, let me tell you what you're reading about. He's the Saviour of the world. His name is Jesus. Now, we're always going to be a truth-preaching church. Absolutely. We will always share the truth when it comes to hot topics. And we're going to do that. The entire month of October is hot topics, right? And it's going to be hot, all right? We're going to talk about marriage and gender and abortion and death. Death just sounds better when you say it like that, doesn't it? You know, we're going to talk about those things. They're hot topics, But we're also never going to be the church that thinks people have to have it all together, living a 100% pure and righteous looking life, looking life, before God can use them and welcome them into His house. It's in His house that people are set free. Come on. Yes, we'll preach about things in love. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But can I tell you, when you're meeting someone down the street, you don't have to immediately be like, you're doing this wrong and that wrong and this wrong. Jesus loves you. He loves you to bits. Come on. Can I get an amen? Is this all right? Is this all right? Can I tell you the fact that, the fact that uh, you don't have to be perfect in this church is, uh, is why you're welcome here too? Yeah, you ain't perfect. Come on, you ain't perfect. Every sermon here helps make you a little better. Every day that you read the Word of God in your home helps make you a little bit better. Every time you're challenged by a friend about an issue in your life helps you become a little bit better. But none of us are perfect yet. That's why at Eternity Church we say, and we've always said, that perfect people are welcome at Eternity Church, but none have come yet. None. None. And by the way, in my experience, let me be just a little mean for a second. In my experience, weird unsaved people usually get saved and just become weird saved people. You ever notice that? Yeah, right? And that's okay, right? I talk to my team all the time about how weird people deserve a place in church. Weird people deserve a place to be loved. Weird people deserve an opportunity to serve God and use the gifts that God's given them for the kingdom of God. Amen. These days, Christians often get so focused on trying to fix people that we get in the way of God using them while they're broken or while they're still weird. And some of them are going to be weird forever. The Ethiopian dude was a pretty weird dude. And God used him to save an entire country. 
the whole country. I want to be like Philip that says, God, use me to preach the gospel to thousands or to one, to really cool people or to the weirdest people. But God, I don't care. I just want to be the guy that you will use to preach the gospel. Whether it's in the crowd or in the middle of the desert, I'm your guy. Amen. I'm your guy. I want to be the guy. God, use me. Can someone say amen? I've got one last point for you. This one's way easier. You ready for it? You are the one. And I don't mean like, you're the one, Neo. <clears throat> no, I don't mean you're the, the one one. You're one of the ones. That's right. You're the one God's calling to preach the gospel to broken people. Every single person here is called to help share the gospel of grace. Oh, but I'm not, I'm not as outgoing as like you, Pastor Jesse. Well, I wish that was a good enough excuse for God. It ain't. There's not a person in this room that's never had the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Not a person in the room. We haven't all taken it, but we've got to start taking those opportunities, amen? We have to. It's not just Pastor Connor's job. It's not just Pastor Jenna's job. It's not just Pastor Morgan's job. It's not just Pastor Brad's job. It's not just my job. We're all called to preach the gospel. Every one of you. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, you're the one. I didn't hear hardly anyone talk. I said, look at your neighbor. Say, you're the one. You're the one. God is looking for faithful and faith-filled, obedient sons and daughters who say, God, here I am. Send me. Send me to the office next door. Send me to the checkout man at Whole Foods. Send me to my neighbor. Here I am. Send me. I want to see my cul-de-sac, one for Christ. I want to see my apartment building, one for Christ. I want to see my school, one for Christ. I'm willing to go and look like an idiot wandering around a desert. I love what God told Philip to do. Go loiter by that dude's chariot and then insert yourself into the story. Come on, you're all called to preach the gospel, church. Every single one of you. I was recently talking to a guy. Well, not really, like a couple of years ago, I should say. Let me pause. Too many people want to get sent overseas to do some bougie looking job that gets a bit of recognition somewhere, but they won't go next door and tell their neighbour that Jesus loves them. <clears throat> Everybody wants the story. I moved my family. I took a step of faith. I went from Australia to America or America to Indonesia or America to Europe or America to Russia to preach the gospel and God did big things. But the same people, too many of them won't even go next door. That's it. You ask Lauren, before we moved here, I was willing to talk to my neighbour over there. I've never lived somewhere where I didn't know my neighbours, ever. I've never lived somewhere where I didn't preach the gospel to my neighbours. Everywhere I go, at grocery stores, at checkout lines, at Whole Foods, at Whole Paycheck, at all these places, everywhere I go. Sometimes it gets annoying to Lauren. She's like, seriously, shut up. Can we go eat? She doesn't care about souls. I do. I do. <laughs> She'll beat me up afterwards. She just gets hungry. She's been pregnant most of our married life, so she's always hungry. So, yeah. So, she's not pregnant now. Thank you, Jesus. Never again. 
never again. What am I even talking about? Everywhere I go, just chatting to people. I want to tell people about Jesus, you know? And then God took that guy somewhere else to do something else. Do you hear what I'm saying? Be willing to do the one. Be willing to be the one that ministers to one. A couple of years ago, there was a guy, a missionary, who asked me if our church could support them financially because he was a church planter. And so what they'd done is he had um, he'd moved, I think, six or seven years earlier to another country to start some churches over there. as a Muslim-majority country, which is a bit more difficult, you know. But this is one of those countries where you're allowed to be a Christian and you're allowed to plant a church and you're allowed to talk about Jesus. And so, so it was a great opportunity for him. And he wanted us to support them because he knew that my, my mission's philosophy is I'll only support any mission as long as it's connected to a local church so that there can be not just food but discipleship too, you know? Not just food but souls being saved because I don't just want to impact now, I want to impact eternity, amen? That's why we're called Eternity Church, right? And so um, so anyway, so I asked him, I'm like, oh, cool, man, that's awesome. Um, how many churches have you planted so far? Because you've been there six or seven years. And he said, none. And I was like, wait, hold up. What have you been doing for six or seven years? And dude goes, well, being a Muslim country, it's a bit harder. You've got to take time to build relationships. And I'm like, okay, I, I feel that. But I still feel like six or seven years is a while, you know. Like maybe you could have something going. But I said, all right, well, how many people have you offered to pray the sinner's prayer with? And just said, hey, like, let, let me lead you to Christ. And he said, zero. And I said, okay, well, I understand maybe it was tougher because sometimes you can, you know, Scripture talks about how you can go and preach the gospel and preach the truth and, and then they might reject you. And at that point, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus Christ and, and you just got to wipe the dust off your feet and walk away because they won't always respond, right? So I'm like, well, maybe that. So I said, well, how many people have you talked to about Jesus and made the offer to? And he said, zero. At this point, I'm really upset. Like literally, probably, I don't know if, I, I know I was tearing up but I don't know if it was at that point yet or not but I was getting pretty upset and I thought wow okay well before you moved to this country to that country that you moved to to plant the churches and to preach the gospel maybe on the plane or on a bus or somewhere else in your life have you ever offered to lead someone in the sinner's prayer and he said no so have you ever talked to someone about Jesus a stranger he said no I said, before you got on a plane when you were just at your home church in, in Iowa, had you ever preached the gospel to anyone? Have you ever led anyone to Jesus Christ? Have you ever told anyone that they need Jesus ever once in your life? And he said, no. <clears throat> at this point, I'm sad, I'm upset. And I'm like, I'm sorry, my friend, we can't support you. Because at this point, you're not a missionary. You're just on a church-funded exotic vacation in a foreign country. And you've wasted a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars of money that could have gone to winning the lost, to planting churches, to seeing souls saved, and I can't be a part of it. Church, if you won't be willing to go next door, stop asking God to send you to Indonesia or to Europe or to Africa or to Swaziland or to or to Bombay. Stop asking God to send you somewhere else when you won't even say yes here. I feel like God's telling you that we need some more loiterers in our church. Come on. That we need some more people willing to go and randomly loiter by someone's desk or by someone's truck or by someone's chariot and be like, you want me to tell you about Jesus? 
Man, we're all so worried about whether we're going to look cool or not. I don't know how cool you think you can look loitering by some dude's chariot, but you can't look so... Hey, oh, hey man. What a coincidence. Can I tell you about that? You ain't gonna look cool doing it. Serious. I don't know how many times I have waited for people so that I can talk to them about Jesus or talk to them about the church or invite them to something that we're doing. I don't know how many times. There are times where I have literally seen someone go into a store and I'm being like, man, it's on my heart. So I'm going to share with that person. I will just wait out of the store until they start walking out. And then I'm like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And then if they don't talk to me, I will follow them until they do. Right? I don't care. It's all good. I remember going up to a guy at St. Kilda and be like, hey man, what do you do? Well, actually, that's not exactly how it started. Actually, I saw him and I was like, man, that looks like a cool guy. And I, th- I just really had it in my heart that, that there's a cooler God on his life and God, he's going to be an influential man and all this gear. And so he was sitting at the bar at St. Kilda in Valley Junction, the cafe. And I'm like, cool, well, I know all the staff. So I'll go like be next to him and talk to them. So I did that. And then I was like, hey man, What's your name? How are you going? What do you do? And we got talking and we sort of bonded over the fact that we both really freaking hate COVID restrictions and protocols and want to scream every time someone tells us to go home and all that gear. And so we bonded over that kind of stuff. And I go, hey man, uh, what do you do for a living? He's like, I'm a chiropractor. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Because a couple of weeks ago, I was in San Diego and a guy prophesied over me that I'm going to meet some chiropractors and they're going to become a part of our church. In hindsight, that's pretty weird. We just met about two minutes before I told him that God sent him into my life and he needs to be a part of our church. Come on, right? That's weird. Well, guess what? He was at the nine o'clock service with his wife. They've been coming for about six months and they're a part of our church. Because... God said it, so it's going to happen. But then I went and loitered. Well, no, another story. There's this other family that were following me on Instagram. And I'm like, hey, they seem like cool people. I want to get to know them. And every time I post something even slightly controversial, they're like, yeah. And I'm like, cool people, you know. And so so I'm like, man, I got to get to know them. And, And so one day I just messaged them. And I'm like, hey, you know, do you guys... I think I was like being like PC just in case they've been coming for a year and I didn't know them. I was like, how long have you guys been coming to Eternity Church? Like assuming that they come. And they're like, or, or, or when are you going to come? And they're like, oh yeah, we haven't come. I'm like, when are you coming? They're like, oh, we, we'll, we'll come this weekend. And I'm like, that's cool. And so they came to church again. Like I'm just a weird interaction with some guy on Instagram, you know, like I'm like, you liked my stuff. You should come to church, you know. And, and then they came to church and they've been coming ever since. And then a couple of weeks later, we met them uh, at the same cafe because that's where I do my loitering. And, um, and so, so we, we met there and we get talking and, and I'm like, so what do you guys do for a living? And they're like, oh, we're chiropractors. And I'm like, funny story. A few weeks back, I was in San Diego. Guy prophesied that God's going to bring some chiropractors into my life and into our church. And here you are and you came to church and they're still in our church. And they said, Why? Well, God said it and I loitered. Don't underestimate a good loitering. <laughs> we got, hey, cops, just lock your ears. 
What am I saying? Look, you gotta, you gotta stop trying to be cool. Who cares if they don't like you? Wipe your dust off your feet, go for a walk. If you ever see them again, they'll probably keep their distance anyway. You won't have to talk to them. It's all good. But if you wanna win the lost, you gotta start caring more about their soul than you do about how cool you look. It's time to pray for boldness. It's time to pray for courage. And it's time to care more about the lost going to hell than it is about whether you look cool on your way to heaven. Amen. Would you all mind standing up with me? I'm going to land the plane. Seriously, I, I just want to tell you this. You're, you are called to be a soul winner. It's not just me. Yeah, you can bring them to church. It's my favorite part of church is when souls get saved. I love it. Yes, bring people to church. And yes, sometimes God will just be like, invite these people to church. In fact, you should be inviting people every week. But you also got to be listening to the Holy Spirit telling you to go talk to that dude or go talk to that girl. Stop sitting there trying to figure out whether or not they're the right type of person that's probably going to hear the message, right? Well, our church is a pretty truth-based church, so that person might not like it. I won't tell them. Really? I don't know. I'm glad no one said that to Cy Rogers. Right? He got set free because people were like, it's not my job to figure out who deserves grace. God's grace is sufficient for me and it's sufficient for them. It's either sufficient for us or it's sufficient for none of us. Amen. And we just got to start preaching the gospel, loving on people. Y'all be like, okay, well, I don't know what to say. Well, I think you do. And I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit will help you know what to say even more, give you the words. But you, you've heard a lot of sermons and we do an altar call in every one of them. You could probably recite that, that prayer right now, couldn't you, right? What do we say? Dear God, right? Like, you know, you know it? What's next? Dear God, I, I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the... See, you know this because we've done this three times a week for nine years, right? Same way. You know, it's also on myeternity.com. You scroll all the way to the bottom of the website. There's a video of me praying that praying that prayer at the end of a sermon. You could be sitting on an airplane, pay 10 bucks to get on Wi-Fi because I think their soul's worth 10 bucks, by the way. Right? I can't pay 10 bucks. The plane's going to land in eight minutes, so it's only going to be eight. Okay, cool. Well, they can go to hell then. Or you can pay the 10 bucks and pray the prayer with them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Cost 10 bucks to get on Wi-Fi on the airplane, not, not to log onto our website. That's what I'm saying, all right? Just, just want to be clear with that. It's, you got to pay for the Wi-Fi on an airplane, all right? Seriously, right? Like, do we care about people? Like, do we want people to get saved? Then who cares if they think you're an idiot for a moment? You might radically change their lives when you pray that prayer with them. Hopefully you know how to say it without it, but we put it on the website to back you up if you need help. It's right there. You say it to them, say, I'll pray it with you. We'll do it together out loud right now on the plane. Who cares what people think? Let's go, right? Wherever you are, you're a soul winner. God's called you to win the lost. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God. I'm going to pray for you actually right now. If you want God to start speaking, well, no, sorry. If you want to start listening to God speaking to you about who you need to go speak to, like Philip to the eunuch. If you want God to use you to win the lost and you want to start saying yes more, if you want God to fill you with boldness and courage and give you the power to be a soul winner, would you lift up your hand on and pray for you right now? 
Lift it up nice and high. I got you. I'm going to pray for you right now. I love that you all want to do this. I love that you all want to be a part of it. You know, the most influential thing you'll do in your life is not becoming a billionaire, but winning one soul to Jesus. Who knows if that one soul is going to win a whole nation to Christ like the eunuch did. Hello. Come on. The most influential thing you'll do in your life is win a soul to Jesus Christ. Right now, some of you all are already like, could you get on with praying? My arm's starting to get sore. Now I'm like, man, doesn't that suck, right? You can deal with a sore arm to win the lost, right? You can deal with a sore, you know, there are, there are Christians being murdered in Afghanistan for going to church and you got a sore arm. You'll be okay, right? I'm, I'm not being mean, I'm just being serious. Like we need to put this back into perspective. We're gonna reach out our hands desperate for God to fill us with power that we could keep winning the lost, amen? We don't care if our hand gets sore, amen? So come on, let's reach out our hands in faith. Heavenly Father, help us to care and to love those that you care for and love. God, help us to not prejudge people, to stop trying to assign worth and value based on how people act, behave or look, Lord God. Help us to see them as image bearers of Christ that they were created in the image of God and that you love them dearly, Lord. Help us to see them through your eyes. Help us to stop trying to determine who deserves your grace, but to freely give what we have freely received. God, help us to have the boldness and the courage to maybe look a little silly as we offer to pray for someone. Help us to have the boldness or the courage to maybe look like a fool, but God, with the possibility of winning this lost, Lord God, winning one more to Jesus Christ. God, may we be like the man on the cliff in the movie Hacksaw Ridge, where every time he saved another person, he turned to heaven and said, help me save one more. Just one more, Lord. One more. Help me save one more, Lord. God, help us to have an attitude like that when it comes to people's souls, Lord God. That we would help win the lost. Just one more. Just one more broken family finding restoration in the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Just one more suicidal kid finding restoration and hope in the name of Jesus Christ. Just one more family that's gone through grief and loss, finding healing and wholeness in the name of Jesus Christ. Just one more estranged son or estranged father, God. Just one more. God, in Your Word, every time that people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they had an influence for the Kingdom of God. And You said in Your Word that when we're filled with the Spirit and power, we will be Your witnesses. Help us to stop treating your Holy Spirit like a game or like some sort of toy or some sort of magic trick just so we can speak in tongues or prophesy. But Lord God, that we would use the gift for its intended purpose to win the lost. God, we thank You for the gifts like tongues. We thank You for the gifts like prophecy and all these things that edify our souls. But God, help us to use the courage and the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit to step out of our comfort zone, to walk into a desert and preach the gospel to a weird dude in a chariot. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The pastor went over time again. I said that to a friend of mine, Doug, and uh, he, he reminded me that where 20 years ago, overtime meant you went for more than three hours. So we can handle the extra couple of minutes, can't we? Good, because I just want to pray for one more group of people before we wrap up the service right now. 
There's a bunch of people in here. So far, this first service, we had eight people give their lives to Christ. Last night, 11 people gave their lives to Christ. So right now, I wanna see if there's anyone in this room that wants to give their lives to Christ. So if you don't know Jesus or if you're far away from God, I'd ask you to pray a prayer with me. I've talked a lot about how much He loves you already. So I think you get that. Now I want to give you an opportunity to respond and say yes to God. See, Scripture says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Okay. So I'm not trying to fix you, okay. There are things in your life that need to change because God loves you too much to leave you where you are. He wants to help you become all that He designed you to be. But right now, just as you are, you're welcome in His house. And He's inviting you to join His family. And so I just want you to pray a prayer with me. Pray it with your mouth, believe it in your heart. I'm gonna say it one line at a time. I want you to repeat it after me. And everyone in the room, front, back, right, left, on stage out there, everyone's gonna be praying it with you so you won't be praying it alone, okay? So if you all could repeat after me right now, and especially those who are away from God. Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He died on a cross for my sin, paid the price for my sin. And He rose again to give me life, hope, joy, peace, and eternal life. I receive all of that. I receive this new life with You as my Lord and my Saviour. I receive Your forgiveness. And I ask for Your help to walk away from my past and live my life the way you designed it, that I could be a great influence for you. I give you my life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. God is good. God's calling you to be a witness. Amen. God's calling you to be a witness. Every one of you that just prayed that prayer, God's got a plan for your life as well. Well, thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, be sure to check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, please visit MyEternity.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyEternityChurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.